0: Major League Baseball made announcements last week about upcoming games, soon and next year. Major League All-Star selections have been announced, as well as rosters for the Futures game. in the bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Lab Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. I fly ball into right field. She is gone. There are so many things that will be happening over the next seven to ten days in baseball that any fan ought to be excited for what's coming up and ought to be thankful to the Lord for the opportunity to witness, or for some even, to participate in these events. Over the last few days, All-Star selections for both the American and National League teams have been announced. The game will be played one week from tomorrow in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. I want to focus more on the All-Star game next week in our episode, as that will be the day before the game, But right now, I want to just point out something that I think is very good. I think it's a great idea. I believe it is very good for the game of baseball. This year, for the first time, there is something known as legacy picks as it regards the All-Star Game. A player for the American League and for the National League are assigned to the team and will be moving forward because of their legacy in the game. This year in the American League, it's Miguel Cabrera, and in the National League, Albert Pujols. These two men will be on the All-Star team. Miggy could have probably made it just based on what he's doing. He's hitting over 300. But here are two men who not only are two of the greatest right-handed hitters of their generation, but of all time in Major League Baseball. Pujols has said definitively he's going to retire at the end of the season, I don't recall Miggy saying it definitively, but it does appear that way. But the kind of season he's having, that could change. But nonetheless, you've got two guys that are going to be there in L.A., two guys that when their career ends five years later, they will be first ballot Hall of Famers. Again, I think it's a great idea. I think it is great for the game of baseball. Now, there are rosters for another all-star type game, if you will, announced as well. This would be essentially a minor league all-star game. It's known as the Futures game. It will be played at Dodger Stadium as well. This game will be Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Between the two teams, there are 50 players. Of those 50, 31 are on the list as the top 100 prospects in the game. Over a third, 17 to be exact, are international players. The Dominican Republic leads the way with six players, Venezuela five, Cuba three, and then there is one player from these three countries, Australia, Canada, and Curaçao. Now, unless you follow the game very closely, you follow the minor leagues very closely, or maybe you have a minor league team in your, in your town or near you and you go to the games on a regular basis... Many of the people on these rosters are not household names. You probably are not going to be familiar with them. Though in time, you will be very familiar with some of them. But there are a couple of players whose last name ought to jump out at you that are playing in this game. One has the last name of Leiter, and that is Jack Leiter. He is a right-handed pitcher in the minor league system for the Texas Rangers. He is the son of Al Leiter, an extremely successful left-handed pitcher in the big leagues, World Series champion, he threw a no-hitter, and and had a great career in television as well at the MLB Network. The other last name is Baker, and this is Darren Baker. He is the son of Houston Astros manager Dusty Baker. So we have the minor league all-star game known as the Futures game on Saturday, the Major League All-Star game Tuesday, one week from tomorrow, both at Dodger Stadium in L.A. Something that wasn't recently announced, we've known about it for about a year, but is coming up in the next 7 to 10 days, is the Major League Baseball Amateur Draft of high school and college players. The draft will begin on Sunday night at 7, so it will begin after the final uh, games are played in Major League Baseball going into the break, and it will run through Tuesday, and it will wrap up prior to the All-Star Game on Tuesday night. So all of this, we have to look forward to in the next week to 10 days. And I didn't even mention the Home Run Derby. But there was one announcement last week, with all of the announcements that took place, one announcement last week that really stood out for me, that really got me excited. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to go. The world gathers to watch baseball unite nations. And while the calendar says March, the baseball feels like October. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to go. That was an announcement that was expected, but became official on Friday. The announcement that the World Baseball Classic is returning. It will be next March, March of 2023. And we're going to have to wait a while. Obviously, it's not coming up like these other things in the next seven to 10 days, but I think it's a worthwhile wait. I think it is great that the World Baseball Classic is returning. If you remember, it was supposed to be played in 2021 It was canceled, I believe, in May of 2020 because of the whole COVID situation. But this time, they're going to have 20 teams in the tournament. In the past, it's been 16. And in March of 2023, games will be played in Taiwan, Japan, and the United States. Two sites here in the United States, Phoenix and Miami. Pool play begins March 8th and the championship game is slated for March 21st and will be played in Miami. Now, because it's been a while, just a reminder, the defending champions, the last time this was played was in 2017, the defending champions are, or is, the team from the United States. Previous champions in 2013, the Dominican Republic won it, and in 2006, or 26, and 09. The first two times it was played, both of those times, Japan won. Now there's already, even though we're months away, there's already speculation about who may play for each country. And some people are saying, what if all of the best players from Major League Baseball represented their nation in this? What would the rosters look like? And it's mind-boggling to consider. Now, of course, we don't know yet. I don't know when we'll know for certain, but it's still several months away. But there is one man who may take the mound in that World Baseball Classic next March for the Dominican Republic. And almost certainly will take the mound in the All-Star Game next week. Possibly even as the starting pitcher for the National League. Bob Magley has leaned on his young starting pitching, but he hasn't leaned on anybody more than Sandy Alcantara. A legitimate star head of the rotation pitcher. That was Gary Cohn from the Mets broadcast booth yesterday afternoon. Miami was in New York playing the Mets. Alcantara was pitching. That was the seventh inning. That was the final inning he would pitch. He ended up throwing seven innings yesterday, giving up no runs. He got a no decision. Uh, the Marlins ended up winning, but he got a no decision in that game. But he has been relied upon heavily and uniquely, at least as it regards where the game is today. He's 26 years old. So far in the season, he has a 9-3 and three record, and a one point seven three ERA. Outstanding. But here's what sets him apart. He has started 18 games this season. He's thrown 130.1 or 130 in a third innings. So he's averaging slightly over seven innings each start. And if you look at his last twelve starts, which goes back to May seventh, here are his outings. Seven innings pitched. Eight, nine, eight. 7, 9, eight, seven, nine eight, 7, That's remarkable in our day. Alcantara, along with a few others, are the exception to the rule in one area of the game that is lacking star power, at least as compared to what it used to be. Now, Jeff Passan was on the Baseball Tonight podcast this past week, and Buster only asked him about the current state of starting pitching,
1: it's grim, and and it's not grim because of the starters themselves. It's grim, I think, because of what's expected of them, because of this evolution that we've seen in baseball that really has has been going on for upward of 100 years now. I mean, you have to look back at what was expected of the starter in the 1920s into the 1960s. Uh, but I think there, there have been two sort of seminal moments that have changed it. And that was really in the 80s when the expectation to complete games uh, was not, uh, uh, you know, it faded away a little bit uh, as, as arm injuries became more prevalent, as Tommy John surgery became something that more and more pitchers had. Uh, but really, if you look back, at 2013 uh, there, there, was, uh, there was a five man rotation at that point and guys were throwing 200 innings less than they had in the past but still doing it
0: so this was a conversation between Buster Olney and Jeff Passan that was prompted by or a follow up on an article that Jeff Passan had written on Wednesday for ESPN and it is about the decline of the starting pitcher how it's a dying breed And what it means for the future of the game. And Passan said it's grim. And it's not grim because of the pitchers themselves, but what is expected of the starting pitchers. And the expectation for starters has been decreasing. He mentioned there a decrease in the uh, desire to pursue complete games. But then he mentioned a more significant change that took place in 2013. But what was that change?
1: Um, And then a story came out on Baseball Prospectus by Mitchell Lickman, and it talked about the times through the order penalty. And teams had realized that, you know, longer a pitcher goes through a game, the less effective he tends to be. But I'm not sure that a lot of people in baseball understood just how stark that actually is. And what used to be something that if you're a starter not going through the lineup for a third time, you absolutely failed. Teams now looked at like if you're a starter going through a lineup the third time, we've failed. We haven't put our team in the best position to win. And when that happens, starting pitching innings absolutely cratered to the point where they are now. The average start in the big leagues is 5.15 innings. The average start in the minor leagues is 4.23 innings. And, And we've been left in this position where less and less is being asked of starting pitchers who have been in baseball's past the marquee attraction of games.
0: I thought it was interesting how he showed the distinction between how it used to be the starter would say, I've failed if he didn't work three times through the lineup. And now it's a team saying, we've failed if we allow our starter to work three times through the lineup. And I agree, less and less is being asked of and demanded of starting pitchers, both at the major league and minor league level. And so, therefore, we're seeing less and less as it regards how deep into games they're going. It's remarkable. Just barely over five innings average for the Major League starters, under five innings for the Minor League starters. So, yeah, we might have a situation where uh, Scherzer and and Alcantara match up. Mets versus Marlins. We have a heavyweight prize fight. But more and more, or I guess maybe I should say less and less, are we seeing these kind of marquee attractions where you go to the game and say, I might see two starters going to the seventh or eighth or even battle through nine innings. And because of this, we're decreasing the star power in starting pitching today. And there are many people in the game, around the game, fans of the game, and I'm included in this, that do not like what has been going on. They don't think it's good for the game. I don't think it's good for the game. I and many others would like to go back as it regards starting pitchers, pitchers working deeper into the games to the good old days. But
1: at the same time, I think Theo Epstein makes the most impassioned argument about this and and has a solution that I think is pretty elegant, frankly. Um, and, And he looks at it like these are the protagonists. baseball games starting pitchers are the ones through whom the stories of the games can be told if they're allowed to tell them but the problem is that organizations have prioritized that efficiency that desire to win games because that is their mandate if you're a gm and you do not win buster you get fired so while in their hearts They want to go back to how things were in their heads. They say, why would I ever go back there if I found something that's more effective? And, uh, you know, I I was talking with one general manager and he said something to the effect of I'd love to do it. I think it would be great for the game. Just wait until I'm not a GM anymore.
0: As it regards Theo Epstein's impassioned argument, I say amen. Amen. One of the ways that Theo recommends trying to bring back the starting pitcher and and working deeper into the games is to limit the number of pitchers that can be on the roster. Many suggest 11. But here's another thing. You do have the situation. I sympathize with the GM's predicament of what he would prefer to see, what might be best as it regards the game generally, but then he's got to win or he gets fired. I get that. But here's another thing. Well, what about the manager? (laughs) Does the manager have no say whatsoever? It appears Mattingly has some say, either that or he's backed up as well by his GM. But whatever the case may be, it seems like the manager ought to be able to decide then and there, okay, do I leave him in or take him out? And so far, Alcantara has been left in deep in games almost every start that he's had. So yes, it would be better. I think it would be great for the game, but it is a matter of winning and losing. But here's a question I have. Is it an either-or? Is it either we can do what we would prefer to see, what might be best for the game overall, and that is let our starters go deeper into the games, or we must choose to win? Is it an either-or? Is it possible? Is it possible that Major League teams can both bring back the star power, the marquee matchups, the heavyweight bouts among starting pitchers, and win? Can they have the higher expectation of starters or the old expectation of starters and win? I believe it can be done, but I don't think it's an either or, but maybe some people do. And maybe the statistics would bear that out. I think it can be done, that it can be a both and. But whatever the answer is to that question, I agree with Jeff Passan, that we are able and should strive to return to the way things were in the past for starting pitchers,
1: uh, the, the notion that that pitchers cannot adapt back to what they once were because they've tasted the sweet, sweet nectar of max effort pitching and of elite spin and of, of 25 plus inches of carry on a fastball high in the strike zone. I mean, you, you have all of these things that they've fallen in love with. Um, how about they fall in love with complete games? Uh, we, we have, and, and I'm sorry, I, I know I sound like an old man here, but what, what happened, Buster, is that in an effort to try and keep pitchers healthy, baseball peeled back and back and back on what it asked of its pitchers, what it asked of its starters. We went from a four-man rotation to a five-man rotation. We went from 150 pitches a game, which admittedly is absurd, to 120, which really isn't necessarily, to 100 and even below now. And, and what have we found? Injuries are no better. They're not a hundred million plus dollars already have been lost to arm injuries on the injured list this year and billions in the past. And the reason that guys aren't staying any healthier is because they didn't replace fewer pitches with less stress and strain. They just changed the way that they pitched. And so the combination of of the max effort pitching uh, with the fewer pitches has led to these one inning burst guys that you see now who come in, have this goofy stuff and don't have to, do something like, you know, navigate a lineup three times through.
0: I've played, what, four clips extended, especially that one, from Jeff Passan, and that's because I believe so much of what he said. Maybe, I don't know if I disagree with anything he said in this interview, is so spot on. And there's a lot we could discuss, but I just want to pick out one thing in that lengthy uh, soundbite we just heard. Yes, let's, let's all of us, starting pitchers included, fall in love with complete games. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to have a drastic increase in complete games, but I do believe that if we fall in love with it, if starting pitchers strive for it, it will result in working deeper into games as a rule. Now, I want to tell you a story from a long time ago. It's involving somebody that was in the game even much further back than that. Back when I was playing professionally. I, I can't remember when it was. It might have been the late 80s or early 90s. It was when baseball cards were huge. Baseball card shows were very uh, prevalent. Uh, in my town, in, in the basically in the suburb of Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I grew up, I was asked to come and be a part of a card show and sign autographs. Well, somebody else was there. And in the Grand Rapids area, people are avid Detroit Tiger fans, which I was. I grew up a Tiger fan. So I was there, but then somebody else was there as well. Mickey Lowlich. and so I got a chance to meet Mickey Lowlich, and I, I can't say I grew up watching him I was watching him probably for three or four years before his career ended but I was there and I remember thinking okay I'm looking at the back of his baseball card he pitched from 1963 to 1976 so I'm looking at the card and I look at his 1971 season Now, I knew about the three complete games he pitched in the 1968 World Series. Don't remember it. I was only four, but I knew about it. But then I look at his 1971 line on his baseball card. He was 25-14 and with a 2.92 ERA. He started 45 games. And now my jaw is on the table thinking, this is remarkable. And then I saw something else. 29 complete games. And now I almost was losing my mind, and then I did lose my mind when I saw that he pitched 376 innings that year. And so I did some quick math. In 1971, over 45 starts, Mickey Lolich averaged eight and a third innings pitched per start. Remarkable. And consider this, he did not have the body type we see on so many people today. I'm betting that if he ever lifted a weight, it was to get it out of his way. I don't think he ate very well. After he got out of baseball, he opened up a donut shop. He didn't have the the body we would look for. He might not have done the things that maybe even could have benefited him. But look what he did. 376 innings pitched in 1971. Now you might say, well, surely that was the demise of his career. 30 years old, 376 innings pitched. Yeah, it really went downhill after that. The next year, he only threw 327 and a third innings. He followed that up with a season with 308 and two thirds innings. At 33, he threw 308 innings. His final year with the Tigers, 240 and two thirds, which would lead baseball in the day in which we are talking right now. And then his final season, 1976, with the Mets, 192 and two thirds innings. Now, granted, Lolich like guys, for instance, Nolan Ryan and Tom Seaver, <clears throat> are, are, are are outliers in some ways. However, it wasn't just three these three men that did these kinds of things. Passon talked about uh, 150 pitches in a start being absurd. And if you mean that on a regular basis, maybe, right? But again, absurd for who? Not for Nolan Ryan. Even Seaver talked about it. He said, I have my pitch limit. That is, I have a certain number of pitches in which, when I reach that point, I become less effective. Nolan Ryan, however, his limit's 10 or 15 more than mine. Now, I think 120 pitches per start is most definitely doable for guys today, if they train for it. Now, back when Chris Hook, who's now the big league pitching coach with the Brewers, and I were overseeing the minor league pitching for the Brewers, we both attempted to get the AAA level of maximum pitches in a game up to 120. We thought it would be good. That was shut down and shot down because it never happens in the big leagues. I think it can. I think it should. And I also don't buy this. There's only so many bullets in an arm. That's a false statement. There's only so many bullets before you need to rest and recover. But the idea that I've got this finite number of throws or pitches in my arm and it's fixed and and so therefore save my bullets, I don't believe that at all. God has designed the human body remarkably, and he has made the human body capable of so much. And this is a point, really, I've tried to make for decades, including when I was a pitcher. Now, I was asked to speak at a pitching symposium that the Brewers put on, I think it was in January of 2015, and the symposium was basically all medical professionals, trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, mainly within the Brewer system, but at least one or two outsiders as well. And at that, I read this statement. It was by Glenn Fleischig, who is um, one of the head guys at the ASMI, uh, American Sports Medicine Institute. This is what he wrote. The other thing is, this is a big concept that people are overlooking. The arm, the elbow, the shoulder of any of these pitchers, these are living people. They're not pieces of metal or plastic or whatever. So you just can't count things up. In other words, you've heard the analogy. People say, you have so many bullets, and you don't shoot all your bullets. You shouldn't always just blow it on one game or season or this or this or that. That analogy works with bullets, because if you had a case of bullets and you shot them all, you would be out. But an arm or pitchers in an, pitches in an arm is not a proper analogy. Because a pitcher doesn't have a certain number of throws in his arm. That's true because pitchers are living, breathing, and their arm is repairing. The arm is breaking down and repairing. And you might think I'm taking it too far, but I think we are looking at pitchers, just like generally at human beings, more as if they're robots or something mechanical as opposed to living, breathing human beings, that God has designed their bodies to recover. Yes, there is a breaking down and a repairing. If we continue to break down without repairing, if we continue to work without rest, we're going to have a problem. But the idea that there are so many bullets in the arm, I believe, is completely false. Now, going back to Theo Epstein and his idea, I agree with him that one of the things that needs to be done if we want to try to push teams to have to use their starters deeper into games is to limit the roster. And likely 11 is a good number. That will go a long way. But there's something else that I think has to be done. And that is the constant shuffling from the minor leagues to the major leagues. So this 11 or 12 or 13 man roster ends up being, you know, 15, 16, 18, 19. And I saw a drastic change. So when I was pitching in 1992, I was that pitcher. That is, I was shuffled back and forth between Tidewater, the AAA team for the Mets, and New York. I think I went up and down maybe three or four times that season. But, see, I was that pitcher. It wasn't common. I happened to be the guy that was that pitcher in 1992. But my last couple of years as a pitching coordinator with the Brewers in 2018 and 2019, there wasn't that pitcher. There was four or five or six of those kind of pitchers that went up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down to continually move the roster. So I think you have to have a limit on the roster and there's got to be something done about all of that movement up and down in order to manipulate the roster. But more than anything, as it regards Theo's passionate expressions, I liked his words, starting pitchers are the ones through whom the stories of the games can be told. His words are spot on. And that's because we are made in the image of God. And so telling and listening to stories, watching stories unfold, being involved in stories is a part of the very fabric of our being. The power of story thrills us. The power of story changes us. And it's easy to understand. It's because The Lord is telling the world a story, and the game of baseball is a part of that story. We must remember, every jot and tittle of this story is to direct our attention to the star that came forth from Jacob. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for listening.